Welcome to Business Playmakers, the podcast that meets with innovators, trailblazers, and leaders to learn about their experience and what success really means. Hosted by entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Business Playmakers is presented by the Employer Blueprint. Employer Blueprint is dedicated to management and leadership development through one-on-one coaching and group seminars. You can find free resources from Employer Blueprint through YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And for more information, simply visit employerblueprint.com. Hello, it's your host. Kyle Gorman, and I'm proud to introduce you to today's business playmaker, Jordan Tong. Jordan, after earning his degree in civil engineering from Tennessee Tech University, joined his family business, France Building Services, as a third-generation owner. And in doing so, uh, in 2007, he built the company from just $1.7 million in a small branch uh, in a small city to $10 million in annual revenue with nearly 400 employees operating in three states. And Jordan has a true passion for the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, In addition, Jordan offers business coaching uh, where he actually helps other companies in his industry build and scale their company to grow in the same way that he has done. So, Uh, You're going to hear about some of that entrepreneurial mindset that he has as we get through today's episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I look forward to any feedback that you have, and you can certainly find out more about Jordan through EliteBusinessCoaching.net. Well, Jordan, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, um, being able to share with others your experience, your journey, and kind of talk about what success is for you and and where you're going. I know that you've had uh, you've had a lot of experience already, and I know you you're really an innovator and a thinker, uh, and so I think a lot of people in our audience are going to be able to relate to that. Um, so as we jump in, just talk through uh, just kind of your professional experience so far. Uh, yeah, so I graduated college in 2005 with a degree in civil engineering, mm-hmm. and when I got about three-fourths of the way through my school, I realized engineering was not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So the last thing in the world I wanted to do was sit behind a desk and design stuff. So yeah. nothing wrong with doing that, but I had, early on, I, I you know, my parents were entrepreneurs or, or business owners, yeah. and both sets of grandparents were involved in, in building their own businesses. And again, none of them, they were all small and whatnot, but I just didn't want to go work for somebody behind a desk doing something right. the rest of my life. And and I'm just not wired that way. And so I knew that I wanted to be in the business world doing things, creating and and building a business or doing something in that regard. But as an immature, early 20-something, I mm-hmm. had no idea what that would look like. Sure. So I, I got a job for a, um, I had three job offers and I actually took the job that paid the absolute least mm. because um, it was a company in Nashville and it was a, a small or a mid-sized construction company. But I had the chance to work under the three owners and, and work directly under them and these guys were brilliant entrepreneurs yeah. and yeah. creators and it just was a neat place. It wasn't a big stuffy corporate environment, but it was a a place where I got to sit under those guys. And so I learned a lot from them. Uh, But shortly after that, you know, my family owned a janitorial and maintenance company Mm -hmm. back in my hometown of Owensboro. And uh, so after a couple years in Nashville, I had an opportunity to come back and join the family business. And we were a small company and, and, but I have been there and doing that ever since. Um, And that's evolved into a lot of different things, but Mm -hmm. 
in terms of my career path, that's kind of how I've gotten to where I'm at now. Yeah. And so we plugged along in that business for a while and has gotten to a point and I'm dabbling and creating and working mm-hmm. in some other projects at this point. Yeah. And so to that point, um, you know, I know you, you, you tend to have a lot of ideas and there's some projects that you've started up and, and, and I know through some conversations with you, you've shared that you realize and recognize one of the real strengths that you have is, is being able to understand scalability and look at scalability and drive that. So you want to share what a couple, what are a couple of the other uh, kind of projects or businesses that you're involved with and working on now? Yeah. So my, the janitorial maintenance company that, that I'm an owner in has, um, and again, it's so much credit to my team, but it's gotten to a point where they've worked me out of a job because there's some fantastic people that work there. And, uh, so one of my good friends and a mentor of mine has talked about, you know, there's some people are creators or starters and other people are sustainers. So I'm wired more as a creator starter. You know, I just, I really get a thrill from creating something out of nothing. And, and, uh, so yeah, some other projects that I'm working on. So about two years ago, we started a construction company because I have that sort of background and my mm-hmm. dad was also gifted in that area. And that has been a tremendous challenge and we've had a lot of success in that, but also a lot of failure. So I'm learning yeah. a lot from that and we're having to make some tweaks in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's about killed me this year trying to, <laughs> to get that thing off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of, you know, I'm very intrigued by the the online world. So everything I've done so far has been traditional brick and mortar type business. You right. know, I'm servicing right. uh, through providing physical products and services. And yeah. my mind has been opened up a little bit to the online world and the vast mm-hmm. community out there and specifically the business opportunities. So I'm doing a little bit in terms of business coaching, um, mm-hmm. some folks in my industry, uh, in the janitorial and maintenance industry and using a web-based platform to do that. Yeah. And then also I'm partnering with um, a young lady and we started a an Amazon business mm-hmm. that's selling a product in kind of the mom baby category and there's also a blog associated with that. And so those are things that I'm just tinkering around with and, yeah. and seeing what sort of opportunities are out there. Uh, yeah. I'm not devoting a ton of time to it, but mm-hmm. uh, it's always fun to create. Yeah, and I know... Um uh, you know, in that may in that baby mom category, kind of near and dear to you. Um, how many kids do you all have now? Yeah, great question. So my wife and I have five kids. Yeah, uh, yeah. ages nine, seven, five, and then twins that are two years old. So, yeah. so yeah. So that you know, I wanted to to create something that my family could get involved in. Yeah. And so the Amazon business and the mom baby stuff. You know, my wife is passionate about that stuff. Right. And I've been able to get my kids plugged in a little bit, and so yeah. so yeah, it's been fun. It's that was fun. that was one of the drivers behind that. Yeah. Neat. That's very cool. So uh, along the way, and um, as you've kind of gone through your career. Who are some mentors that you've had, and what are some characteristics of those people? I guess that um, that you really look to. Yeah, so that's a good question. So I, I think there's two types of mentors that people have in their lives, mm-hmm. and one would be what I call like mentors from afar, and those mm-hmm. are people that I don't know personally, yeah, but that I have listened to and sat under their teaching, and they probably don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so as I look back, you know, I would say a, a couple of those. Early on, probably the one that influenced me the most was Dave Ramsey early yeah. on. And yeah. I know that may sound bizarre because I know he's a personal finance guy and he's moved into the entrepreneurial space. But when I was in college and even in high school, I remember listening to his podcasts and, or his radio show at the yeah. time. That was before podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you could just tell the, the guy oozed entrepreneurial yeah. and oozed business. And he was yeah. motivational. He was excited. He was passionate about what he did. Yeah. He also taught me the idea that, you know, making really good money is not antithetical to serving people really well. Yeah. And like true. he did both of those things really well. And then he was also always talking about, you know, successful people read 
you know, an average of two or three books a month and, right. you know, all these things. And so he turned me on to other motivational speakers like Zig Ziglar and, Mm-hmm. And some other gurus in the industry, like you know Jim Collins and Stephen mm-hmm. Covey, and these. So these would be mentors from afar that yeah. really amped me up early on to think, man, this is. I want to enter into that world. Yeah. I want to do that. I want to model my life after those guys. Mm-hmm. And so those would be the mentors from afar. And then I think there's some that were other mentors along various stages of my life. Right. Um, so I mentioned you know working in Nashville. So. The bosses that I had there were the two main owners of the company. One of them was a very wealthy entrepreneur, real estate developer, you name it. But he was the kind of guy, the classic guy that would come in, you know, yelling in the office and <laughs> getting things yeah. done and just flying all over the place. No yeah. structure at all whatsoever about his life. But he was brilliant. He was yeah. one of the original investors in O'Charlie's and some other things in Nashville. And so, and then the other owner was an architect who had started this this company that we were in. He was very methodical and he worked mm-hmm. very hard. He was the classic, you know, get to the office at 6 a.m., right. leave at 6 p.m. You work yeah. on Saturday. So he taught me a lot about, you know, some things I learned from him that I don't want to do and other things that I like to model. And mm-hmm. um, he, sh- again, showed me what a small professional firm should look like and the way the right. owner should conduct himself in the business. And so really learned a lot in my first two years being able and was very fortunate to be able to work directly under some men like that. Yeah. You know, in terms of other mentors, you know, my, my parents, I would consider them mentors, you sure. know all through my life and they were really more blue collar folks growing Mm -hmm. up with you know neither one had a college degree um my Mm -hmm. dad dropped out of high school and ended up getting his Mm -hmm. ged and Mm -hmm. and but they were people that were dedicated to hard work and serving their customers and very thrifty with how you know we spent our money and that sort of thing and so I learned a lot about like so the principles that I run my business now by you know things about like staying away from debt and not you know putting other people first you know my parents were always the type that they did not take out a ton of money for themselves right. but were very generous to you know me or uh, other people in the business mm-hmm. and they did not you know drive lavish vehicles or that sort of thing and right, so right. it was always a company first mentality you know we're going to stay out of debt we're mm-hmm. going to make sure all of our vendors are paid right on time or even before time. And, and so it was always a, Hey, we'll, we'll reap the benefits later mentality. Right. And I have, you know, I'm really just seeing that now as I'm talking to you, but like I've just mm-hmm. adopted that mentality and yeah. I owe a lot of that to them. Yeah. You know, they're always the utmost integrity and honesty and those sorts of things. Yeah. And then some other business owners, you know, I know some of them are mutual friends of you and I, yes. you know, Bill yeah. Barron is yeah. a good friend of mine and he's been a mentor both spiritually and him and his wife have helped counsel my wife and I mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah. I used to spend the night at his house when I was a kid and so <laughs> he's one of those men that I've just admired from afar he's just a the quintessential entrepreneur that yeah. is just oozing with wisdom yeah. and he's made tons of great decisions and some bad decisions and he's always wanting to help teach and coach other people and I just couldn't say enough about the guy so good hey, I'm actually looking forward to uh, having him on the show uh, here in the next couple of weeks so uh, that's going to be exciting just to get a chance to kind of hear his story as well yeah and um, yeah, I know uh, around this area, a lot of people really look look at him and, and what he's been able to accomplish. Yeah. So one other strange, this may sound strange to some of your listeners, but there's a, a couple of people that work for me. You know, I mentioned earlier about having a really talented team. There's mm-hmm. a few people that work in my office that have been fortunate enough to bring onto our team that mm-hmm. 
they are light years ahead of me in so many areas and I learn from them all the time. So in my business coaching endeavors, when I'm working with other business owners around the country in my industry, I am constantly referring back to the things that I have learned (laughs) from managers that are running my company. Yeah. And so I can't say enough about those. That's great. Those people that are doing that. Yeah. Not only is it smart to find those people and hire those people, but it takes the right personality and a a great leader in an organization to recognize these people know more than me. And I'm Mm -hmm. not only am I comfortable with that, I encourage it. I enjoy it. I like that. Um, because oftentimes it's our ego that gets in the way whenever we're trying to grow a business and, um, but to be able to know, like I've hired these people because they're better than me and now I'm really going to get out of their way and try to learn from them to make me better as we continue. Yeah. That's, that's great. I'm, yeah. That's pride great. is the number one downfall of, of, yeah. of business owners. Yeah. yeah it will so true. Yeah. Well, so through the course of your career, is there a moment that really stands out in your mind as, um, just kind of a big win, a pinnacle peak moment for you? You know, that's a good question. I, no, not necessarily. Um, in terms of big wins or big losses, you know, we've, again, we've been the kind of company, so I'm, a, I'm, a fan of taking risk, calculated risk, but I'm not somebody that's betting the farm on one thing and then right. having huge wins or huge losses. So I'm more of a uh, tortoise rather than a hare. So mm-hmm. I'm in it for the long haul. And yeah. so, but in terms of wins, you know, I would consider some more small wins for me in terms of professionally is just seeing the growth and development of our company. Yeah. Um, it's just one of the greatest joys of my life. And, yeah. and by that, I don't, I mean, profit is one measure of that. Sure. Um, but other measures of that are just your impact in terms of people you're able to employ and watching other people thrive in their careers, watching mm-hmm. the business grow, which means you're doing a good job of servicing customers. And, yeah. you know, and that's just, man, that's the stuff that gets you out of bed in the morning mm-hmm. and it's yeah. exciting and fun. Yeah. Um, you know, at some point you see like, it's not about the money or it's not all about the money sure. at all at some point. So, yeah. yeah. And fails, you know, biggest fails would tie along with that. You know, with wins, yeah. there's always fails. And again, I, I can't think of like any giant failures. But as I look back, you know, one of the mistakes that I made early on, specifically in my early 20s and when I was first involved in management, is is avoiding conflict. I was a people pleaser, and I still am. And that's mm-hmm. maybe a struggle of mine or a weakness of mine at times. But instead of confronting a situation head on, um, we'll let it fester and mm-hmm. it ends up creating more problems on the back end. So allowing situations in my company or allowing things to happen or allow people to stay longer than they should without correcting problems. Right, right. And then I end up in a worse place than before. And so I lose credibility as a leader. Mm-hmm. The company's worse off. And that, that has probably happened more times than I would really yeah. care to admit. Yeah. And so as I've gotten older, I've learned that, man, those are some pains that I have seen happen early on. Yeah. So now I'm learning it's better to make sure expectations and intentions are clearly laid out on the front end mm-hmm. that you're staying on top of those. And and that it would even tie into customers, you know, avoiding conflict has mm-hmm. caused me to anger customers by not coming through on promises, you know, right, right. over promising, under delivering yeah. because I wanted to please them and, right. and those sorts of things. So, yeah. um, so yeah, and a lot of that goes back to pride too, as perverse as that sounds. Like mm-hmm. it's my not wanting to look bad. I want to look good to everybody. Yeah, yeah. got me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> not thinking about the long term effect of something. I think you're right. That's a great point. That's something that gets in uh, our way oftentimes. Part of our uh, you know human nature, and and I think especially people that are 
that are growing businesses or they're in that world kind of that driven personality um, that that oftentimes gets in our way just our personal pride that's a really great point so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, success and um, starting off how would you personally define success yeah so I think you had mentioned earlier about how that changes over time you know I think in an earlier conversation we talked about how success for you changes over time so when I was just out of college I feel like I had a very immature view on what success is Mm -hmm. and really I tied success to money to financial wealth right so if you have a lot of money and you have a big house or or these sorts of things Mm -hmm. like you have reached success. And so the downfall of a lot of the success books that are out there and there are more than there should be. It's all about, you know, living life without having to work and Mm -hmm. all this passive income and, you know, all these things and making big money. And, and so like, I was really driven by that early on and my wife, that really frustrated my wife. Actually, she Mm -hmm. just, it bothered her because it seemed so materialistic. Yeah. And she was right. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, over time and looking back now, I see that that is certainly not the measure of success. And so, you know, the way I always describe company success or success in general is it's like when you go to the doctor and they, you know, they run this battery of tests on you. Like each one is a marker of health. Yeah. And so like your blood pressure is not the only thing that, is the only measure of your health, right? So they measure blood pressure, cholesterol, you know, blood sugar, Mm -hmm. your BMI, you know, Mm -hmm. and all these other things, you know, your reflexes and all these things. And and these paint a picture overall of your health. And so I would say that your success of your business and also in your personal life would be the same way. So, you know, if I'm looking at my business in terms of success, I do think profit is one measure of that. I Mm -hmm. think our growth as a company is another measure of that. Our reach and impact serving customers, how much we're able to give away and support other organizations in the communities we're in, you know, career development of our employees and Mm -hmm. their growth as professionals. So like seeing people develop as professionals and make more money over time and and gain more competency, getting better at what we do, you know, even the moral and spiritual impact of the people that are working in the places that we're in Mm -hmm. and marriages that are affected by what we do. So I think all of those things together would paint a picture of business success. Right. Right. And I would say on a personal end, um, money is a very small picture of success. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, money or profit can be a measure of how well you've served other people because you look at the people who are the richest people, you know, usually those people have the greatest impact on society, you right. know, the Bill Gates of the world, the right. Warren Buffetts, you know, you look at the companies they own and how they impact society. But if that comes at the detriment of your family or your spiritual health mm-hmm. or your physical health, yeah, then I don't know that you could really say their success is wrapped up in that. So, right. I mean, obviously I think your soul is the number one important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then your family would come after that yeah. and your health would come after that yeah. and your emotional and mental development and and really a flourishing life so yeah. the, you know the downside of the business culture and specifically western culture is we define success very narrowly yeah. and and that can be That's a trap so and it's a trap certainly that i can fall in yeah can you remember uh, a moment that um, or, or maybe even just quote a sort of a season in your life where that reality maybe hit you or struck you that maybe maybe financial wealth is not 
the only measure of success that I need to be paying Yeah, that's a to. great question. So once you, you know, I read an article one time that talked about the, and I don't know how they gauged happiness, but said that the happiest people yeah. or were people who made in the seventy to $80,000 range. Wow. And that less than that, there was diminishing happiness. And then the more money people made after that, the happiness factor went down. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting huh. because, you know, really at that money level, you kind of have been able to satisfy all of your basic needs right. and have some left over to do some yeah. extra. And so yeah. there has, you know, you come to a point in your career, if you're successful monetarily, that you reach a certain income level. And it's really a lot less than what you think it is. Yeah. That you think, okay, what now? Yeah. Like, is another trip really going to make me happy? Or is a nicer car? Right. No. Actually, in some senses, it makes you feel worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you're yeah. banking your happiness on those things. Right. And the more you try to buy your happiness, it's like, ugh. That, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work. It doesn't like, feel good. That feels yeah. terrible. Yeah. And so I would say it was, you know, probably once I, you know, maybe reached the six-figure mark in terms of income. Yeah. And was able to, like, you know, if I wanted to go out to eat somewhere, I could just go eat. Or if I, you know, you can, right. anything I wanted, not anything, but, like, yeah. within, within reason, reason, like, if my wife and I want to go on a trip. Yeah. yeah, like, I just didn't have to think about it. And so at that point, it's like, man, more stuff sounds gross. Like, yeah. I think I'd rather simplify my life and invest yeah. in my family. Yeah. Um, so now my, you know, my focus is more on what I would consider a truer measure of success, which is my family and, and freedom to do things and invest in things Mm -hmm. that I think are worthy things. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, I, I can kind of remember a a very specific season where that reality started to hit me kind of when that same focus that it was all about the money and, and chasing that dream. Um, and looking back now, um, you know, there's so many things that I, I kind of do the same thing. I can look back at the end of the week and say, maybe I didn't make as much money as I would have or did at one point in my career, but um, the time you got to spend with my kids and, you know, get to go on a date with my wife and, um, uh, you know, spend time with friends, like mm-hmm. that there's a fulfillment that comes in that. And, um, you know, and of course, you know, as you were talking, even like on the personal financial side, um, you know, going back to early mentor of Dave Ramsey, you know, I'm sure that at least some of those uh, principles that he teaches on on personal financial stability have carried over as you've gotten older. And, you know, that makes a big difference, too. If my son just not that long ago, um, just a couple weeks ago, said, Dad, are we rich? And I said, well, I don't know. What does rich mean? And um, he said, uh, you know, a million dollars. I said, a million dollars what? You know, a million dollars in my pocket, a million dollars in my bank account, a million dollars invested. You know, what does that mean? And so we were kind of talking through that. And I said, but son, what you have to realize is he's 10 years old. And I said, um, being, being rich isn't about how much money you make. Because he said, well, you should make a lot of money, you know businesses and mom's a teacher and I had to explain you know the salary of teachers and right. how that works right. but he said well that doesn't make sense I said no it doesn't but so we were we were talking about that and I said but it's not about how much you make it's about how much you spend so there are people that, that make a whole lot less than us but that may be richer than us in certain ways and there are people that are that make a whole lot more that could be poorer in a lot of ways because yeah. it's it's not about income it's about what goes out and and um and that's a very I, I think that's a lot of that kind of happiness scale as well that when you can meet those basic needs plus have surplus without having too much you there there's sort of an inherent level of responsibility that comes with that yeah that whereas as that income continues to increase it's easy to lose that responsibility because you don't have to quote worry about it anymore yeah. 
And so, um, yeah, that, that's, that's I, I can definitely relate and appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned your son. So my son, a, a little while back, we had a, we were driving in the car together. And so I'm always trying to find ways to teach them about different uh, yeah, things, right? Yeah. Always finding a teaching moment. Probably drives them crazy. But I, yeah. my son, I was telling him about the Amazon business. So the kids mm-hmm. are getting involved and wanting to know, you know, how much does it cost? How many did we sell today? And that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. So anyway, my son, you know, I was telling him, you know, we, if you sell this many, you would get this much money. And mm-hmm. so he had in his mind, he loves to fish and he wanted this tackle box that was $30. And so he yeah. said, man, dad, I could make, you know, we could do this and I could make $30. And I said, man, but if we sold, you know, a hundred of them, we could make $500. And he goes, ah, dad, you know, I just need $30. I just want a tackle, <laughs> box. A tackle box. And then he said this, and this is what just is like a knife stab me. He said, yeah. I just don't want my mind all clogged up with money. Wow. And he said, Dad, is your mind all clogged up with money? And I thought, man, huh. I didn't have any response for him. I just yeah. sat there quiet, and I thought, man, that is convicting. Yeah, pretty frown- profound. Because he's yeah. free and happy, and he yeah. just wanted a tackle box. Yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to be cluttered up with yeah. all these thoughts of money. I have a life to live. Yeah. And I thought, man, that's some wise words from the nine-year-old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep that, keep that kid, keep, keep a hold of that. Yeah, that's those are uh, those are brilliant words. Well, so do you consider yourself successful where you are now? Well, we talked about pride just a minute ago, so mm-hmm. I want to be careful how I answer that question. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, so in terms of the world's eyes and, you know, I feel like I have achieved some measure of success in terms of our, our business and yeah. um, and where we have gotten. And um, But again, you know, I know you and I share similar convictions, so I think success is, obviously goes much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And so there's a sense in where, um, you know, there's seasons of life and there's hills and valleys. And so to me now success is more defined in my relationships with my wife and my kids. So in my business, so there are times when, you know, I feel like my business is, is successful at this point and is thriving and there's people being blessed and, and growing and, and customers are being served well there. And my home life is, is going well. So mm-hmm. I, I would say there's a sense where I've achieved a certain level of success, but there are also challenges with raising kids and, yeah. and marriage. <laughs> yeah. and, and I have struggled at times spiritually, you know, just in getting caught up in busyness. And so I want my trajectory to always be north in terms right, of right. true success and flourishing as an individual and as a Christian. Um, and but there are times when you're going backwards a little bit. You yeah, know, absolutely. you can yeah. be pushing for company success and things at home can can mm-hmm. be going in a direction they shouldn't be going. Yeah. But you hope that the trajectory for all of that is up. Yeah. And um, so yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I think that my wife would be a better judge. Uh, of this, of answering this question. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, absolutely. I, yeah. So let, let's move, um, let's move to the future a little bit. What do you think the next 10 years look like for you professionally? Yeah. Great question. So there is a struggle that business owners have, and I know you have it and I have it and it's we call it shiny stuff syndrome. Yes, right. Absolutely. And so, yeah. you know, you get the, the core business going and it's running and there's a sense in where it starts. It can oftentimes mm-hmm. specifically, I think if you've done your job as a leader, begin to run itself. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. ask your questions, you know, what, what's my role now? What am I supposed to be doing? Right. You know, do I, find a spot in the business and plug away? Do I create something new? Mm-hmm. You know, do I 
give it all away and go join a nonprofit. Like, you know, what the heck do I do? Yeah. And so those are some things that I'm trying to figure out. You know, I have in the last couple of years, I've overextended myself yeah. and made some mistakes in dabbling in too many things that really didn't take away money. You know, they were semi profitable, but created some emotional <laughs> stress yeah. in my life. And so those were not helpful. So I'm in a season where I'm really trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a couple of desires. You know, one is that I would be a very engaged father mm-hmm. and husband. And and also, you know, we homeschool our kids. Yeah. And so I have a unique opportunity to bring them into some things. And so mm-hmm. I want to create a scenario where I can teach and train them in a business or in my business in some capacity. But again, like you said earlier, I am a starter mm-hmm. and an entrepreneur in heart. And so... Um, I feel a little bit of a sense of calling that, you know, as a creator, I should be focused on creating things and knowing that there'll be some failure in there. So I have a few things in the works that, you know, could maybe be nice additions to our company and add value. Um, But that's a tension that I'm really wrestling with. Mm -hmm. I do not have that figured out at this point. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. Well, but it's good that you know that that is is something to be figured out. Yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, it's a good quality to be able to recognize, um, you know, the challenges that you face, maybe the weaknesses that you have and, and, you know, being a starter and an innovator and an entrepreneur, that can be a weakness at times. Yeah. Um, because as you say, and, and, uh, you know, you and I've kind of talked about this, I, I suffer with this as well, kind of chasing, you know, chasing rabbits and, and finding these new shiny things and saying, what about this? And what about that? And so, but but I think the first key, uh, as with anything, the first key to fixing that is knowing that that's there, <laughs> right? Um, and and hopefully having others around you that can hold you accountable to that, so that whenever you've got these million ideas and then you come up with the one that you want to go with, that you've got people around to say that is a really great idea. Is that where you need to be spending your time sure. right now? And so yeah. Um, but th- that that's good that at least you recognize that. And of course you've got you've got. Uh, you've got several years left and kind of working years left. And to that point, um, I know that this, this is years down the road, but what is the concept or the definition of retirement look like for you? You know, that's a great question. I hope I have a lot of years. I'm only 34. So, um, but Lord willing I do. And, um, you know, that's a great question. So as a, I can look at that from a couple angles, you know, as a Christian, and I believe that, you know, we were made to, to work and cultivate mm-hmm. on this earth and and uh, and serve others. And so there's a sense in where there's no such thing as retirement in my right. eyes. Right. And um, in the traditional sense, like for me, just to sell everything and move to Florida and, you know, yeah. waste my life away picking up seashells on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. to me, that's an incredible waste of, of a life. And yeah. there's certainly times for pleasure in doing things, but I don't see from a worldview standpoint and also just from a practical standpoint, I just mm-hmm. don't, I don't understand that. So um, I think that we are designed as human beings to serve others and, and we derive great amounts, great amounts of joy from doing that yeah. and creating and that sort of thing. So, you know, in terms of retirement, what I would like to see, I think of it in terms more of having f- more freedom mm-hmm. as time goes on yeah, and freedom to invest in or do things um, as I would like. So a lot of times, especially early on in our careers, we're really constrained to um, 
or we feel at least boxed in because we have to make sure we can pay our house payment and we mm-hmm. have kids to send to college. And so like, yeah. we don't feel really free. There's a, sometimes we feel shackled to work right. because of obligations that are out there. Mm-hmm. Some of them are necessary, some of them are unnecessary. Right. So I look forward to developing maybe more freedom in my life where I can strategically invest in exactly what I would want to invest yeah. in. Yeah. And so, you know, retirement in terms of that is what, what that would look like. More freedom to invest in, in terms of my time, where yeah. I would want to strategically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that would certainly involve being on the beach at times, or, sure. you know, I'm a big outdoorsman. Yeah. Um, but man, I think I would go crazy in about six months yeah. if I wasn't working. You know, and I saw, interestingly, my granddad owned a construction company, real hardworking guy his whole life, and just always had a small company. Mm-hmm. And when he retired, uh, he passed away within a couple years of retirement, and you know I just saw his quality of life go downhill really quick because yeah. he was just a man that worked, and when yeah. that was gone, yeah. it was like his life was gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and maybe there's some things he should have done different, but you know I'm mm-hmm. wired to work, and I derive a lot of joy from it. Yeah, uh, I don't want to be shackled to it when I'm in right. my 60s, but I have that but I, I definitely plan to work. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I was just having um, a conversation similar not that long ago, uh, and actually, I think it might have been with my dad, who is retired and is always kind of looking at you know what do I do um, to kind of have have fulfill a purpose and things like that. And he and I were having that conversation, and I made that same comment just as we were talking. I said, I believe there is a reason that you often see, and obviously not always, and I'm sure people will tell me the the stories of someone that retired and sat on the beach and lived for 50 years, but um, but I think often you see just that, like you're talking about with your grandfather, that um, I believe we were wired to work. And mm. and when we stop doing that, um, it's like we, we stop giving our body the energy that we were really designed yeah. to get. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's, that it's fairly common to see people stop working, stop doing whatever it is, yeah. whatever that doing looks like, um, and then quickly, quickly deteriorate. Yeah. Because... Um, you know, it's easy for the mind to go when it's not working and functioning like that. It's easy for the body to go whenever it doesn't yeah. just have that, that kind of concept of purpose. And, um, I, I agree completely. I, I think that there's just something to that, that we are wired to be that way. Yeah. And when we, when we stop that, it's like, we're going against, um, we're going against the basic functions of our system. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause we, we thrive on purpose, having a purpose. Yeah. And yeah. when, you know, people who go through depression or other you know, mental illnesses, mm-hmm. like a lot of times they feel like there's no purpose in life. Right. And they right. all of a sudden mentally they go downhill. And when you retire and you choose not to work anymore, mm-hmm. and there's nothing else that plugs in and fills that purpose of why I'm living. Yeah. You're right. Like your body's like, okay, well, right. We're I done. Guess, I guess <laughs> we're done. Yeah. This is it. Now we know. Uh, and, and you know, we've talked a lot about kind of money and, and, you know, early on chasing that dollar and then, um, kind of understanding that personal fulfillment. And so, uh, as you sit today, if you, uh, if you walk out of here today and, and you find out that you've just won a million dollars, what do you do with that? That's a good question. It probably would not affect my life day to in terms of my time at all. Mm-hmm. I'd probably continue doing the same thing. I yeah. pay off my house and yeah. Pay, I, and the office building we just bought for our new company, and <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I would do with it, and yeah. have a little bit left over and put it in savings. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. and I would keep going about what I'm doing now. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. a little more. Even if you if you amp that up to ten million dollars, I still think I would tell you the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I've often thought about that. I like to ask that question every time in this, this forum. And I've thought about that a few times that I might need to increase that because the reality is a million dollars means you're walking away with half a million dollars. And yeah. um, half a million dollars by the time you know you pay off a house and some debt uh, sometimes it's not a lot to really yeah. change your life. So I have about two hundred thousand uh, <laughs> in my mortgage and yeah, a little yeah, bit else, so, so there wouldn't be a lot left over. It doesn't. It doesn't take long. Um, well, let, let's look forward a little bit and how we kind of help others. And and you know one of the the real um, uh, the desires of this format and, and offering up this podcast to people is is to help others uh, sort of identify within themselves. Um, and relate to others and then figure out how they can kind of wrestle with this concept of success and professionalism. So the first thing, let's talk about the characteristics um, that you've experienced in either uh, a boss or maybe a coworker, but what are some characteristics of kind of your favorite boss? Who are the personalities that you gravitate towards professionally? Well, that's a good question because I've only had one boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was only for like two years. So, mm-hmm. um, but as I, so as I look at my very short stint working yeah. for another company and and really working for my dad early on because you know when I first came in I was not an owner or was right. not running the company and I think anyone who is a high performer or what I would call an A player they do not want to be micromanaged yeah and so and I'm interestingly enough I'm doing a webinar today is for my consulting group yeah. and and we're going to be talking about this very topic about bringing A players onto your team yeah in our industry and. You know, a few things like A players, they um, they want freedom in their job. Mm-hmm. Like they want to say, here's the objectives, now go run with it. Yeah. So, you know, I think any good boss that wants to cultivate a company of thriving, high caliber leaders will mm-hmm. not micromanage his employees. I agree completely. You can drive your company to the ground and you will never find freedom as an employer mm-hmm. if if you're a micromanager. Yeah. And I can hear all the people screaming, no, but if things will fall apart if I don't, <laughs> well, that's you're just a testament to what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so that's one thing. I think another thing in terms of, you know, as I look back at frustrations, I am a fan of pay for performance yeah <laughs> and so and i think again a players want to be compensated based on how well they perform mm-hmm. i could very possibly still be working for another firm if i was treated like an entrepreneur within that firm right and right. so if someone was saying hey man here's your territory here you run with it the more profitable it is the more i'm going to pay you right i would thrive in a situation like that yeah even though i wouldn't be the boss yeah and so i want to treat my people that way and so if i'm giving advice to someone that's the kind of boss that i would want yeah. if i was in a situation yeah um, so those two things freedom and and performance-based compensation mm-hmm. would be two things that and then having fun in a workplace. Yeah. You know, I am not a fan of stuffy corporate environments. <laughs> and I know you're not either. We yeah. talked about that before. Yeah. It's life sucking. It is. And we talked about happiness factor. Like happiness goes way more than just the job. So like family life needs to be good. And when you provide a place that people love to be yeah. and you give them freedom and you allow them to act as an entrepreneur in the workplace, mm-hmm. you attract high caliber players. And Absolutely. it makes for a fun place to work. So yeah. if yeah. I am, again, I don't have a lot of experience working under somebody. Right, but right. If I would, that's the kind of boss that I would mm-hmm. want. Well, so, uh, and, and let's take uh, the flip side of that, and, and we'll talk specifically, you know, someone that owns uh, owns the company's works, um, hires people, and, and have certain characteristics that you're looking for in the people that are working for you. What are some 
What are some characteristics or some personality traits that you try to steer clear from? As a leader or for people I'm trying to hire that work for me? Well, so um, uh, let's say both. Let's say both. Uh, either someone that um, that you know you're required to follow, whether it be in that kind of boss mm-hmm. relationship, or even someone that you are looking to hire in your organization. Um, what are some, some personality traits that you know uh, are not going to work well, either with your personality in general or just you know, that, that you see out in the, the workforce that you say, this is something that I think we have to stay. Yeah. Okay. So as a, you know, if someone's a professional or a leader or a, yeah. a owner of a business, things that I would say, watch yourself in these things, yeah. because these are the things that are, are not going to attract the right kind of people in your mm-hmm. organization. You know, one, I mentioned micromanaging, not being like that, yeah. you know, there's this classic mentality that the owner or leader is this, you know, savior riding on a white horse, Donald Trump kind of person. Right. right? And so, but if you look at the research and you look at the great companies, they're usually run by more humble, uh, self-effacing type of people that you really have never heard of. And, you know, they're not these brash, brazen, you know, Mark Mm -hmm. Cuban kind of guys. Right. Right. Not not typically. Yeah. And so sure. I think more people desire to work under someone who who has an air of humility about them, mm-hmm. um, but a firm set of convictions mm-hmm. about what they believe and where they're going as a person and as a company. Yeah. So that's the kind of boss that I would encourage someone to be, and and not be the micromanager, not be the arrogant jerk, mm-hmm. not you know, uh, not be the person that's out for themselves. Company first, people first. Right. You know, leaders eat last sort of mentality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, in terms of hiring people within the organization, you know, I love Patrick Lencioni's humble, hungry, smart. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, as I have thought and thought and thought about that, like I can't really I could dive into some other character traits. But, mm-hmm. man, those three just hit it right <laughs> on the head. Yeah. Humble yeah. is so right. Everybody that's in business is serving somebody else to that's make right. money. Yeah. And it's the beauty of capitalism. And if you don't serve people well, you will not make money in the long run. Yeah. And. Uh, and because usually shysters get found out, yeah, and yeah, um, unless you get bailed out by the government, you know, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a whole other level. Uh, of, yeah. But so you have got to be have an air of humility about you in your business, yeah, if you're going to succeed in any capacity. So we want people that are like that, right. and we have had some arrogant folks work for us, and they quickly end up not with us. Doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. And I have hired people that were not humble because I thought their skill set was good mm-hmm. and they never work out. It's yeah. amazing how that. And then the hungry, you know, you want people that are competitive and passionate and driven yeah. people, not, you know, Eeyores that are just, well, mm-hmm. I'll come to my J-O-B and get mm-hmm. my check and go home. Like, yeah. we don't want those people, you know? Yeah. And and then the smart, and again, in his book he talks, it's more about people smarts, like right. understanding right. emotional intelligence and being yeah. able to relate to people and yeah. understand social cues and being able to see your own emotions and control them in order to accomplish a desired outcome. Yeah. You know, and for us, and again, this, I realize this is unique to us since we're in the janitorial industry. One of the unique things for us is we're looking for managers. We need someone that can interact with managers at a fortune 500 company, Mm -hmm. but also somebody that can work with and train people how to clean a toilet. (laughs) Yeah. And so we're looking for folks that not only are humble and hungry, but also have, we call them blue collar professionals. (laughs) So we're looking for people that, you know, mama and daddy raised them right Right. (laughs) to work, but they also know how to carry themselves professionally. And those are the kind of people that thrive in our organization. And that's unique to us. But what I think that really speaks to the, the smart 
uh, function of that tripod and that emotional intelligence because someone with a high uh, EQ has that ability. They're relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's a great point, especially in your environment, kind of that, that, that character that you're looking for. Now, you've mentioned, um, you know, a, a couple of resources and books kind of along the way as we've talked here. Are there any specific books or authors or resources, speakers, whatever it might be, um, that you would recommend to other professionals to say you have to go check these things out? These are critical. Yeah, that's a great question, Kyle. So that has changed over time uh-huh. in my career, right? At different stages, different people were more influential to me. Yeah. So, you know, early on in my career, it was the more inspirational casting a vision about yeah. what you could do with your career and you know I realized I could do more than just go work for somebody mm-hmm. and in a job and get my paycheck and go home right and so you know the you know for instance Zig Ziglar was really helpful early on like just mm-hmm. this concept of setting goals mm-hmm. um, he wrote a book called see you at the top and I don't even know if it's still in print anymore mm-hmm. um, and and so those kinds of things helped me cast a vision for where I would like to go mm-hmm. as a person um, and were helpful. Um, and then as I slowly moved into management and into running a business, you know, um, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber, you yeah. know, you and I've talked about it, it's kind of revolutionized the way I look at business. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's been a very helpful book that I've read a couple times mm-hmm. and really listened to his teaching. Um, you know, Dave Ramsey's material, and he, he has a great book called Entree Leadership Yeah. Um, that is really, a, he calls it, you know, leadership advice from someone that's in the trenches mm-hmm. and I think it's a uh, a good description of the book and a book that's very worthwhile you know Jim Collins is obviously a go-to yeah, yeah. Uh, good to great I've read it it's at least cool. twice and I find myself always referring back to things right. in that book you know yeah. getting the right people on the bus you know mm-hmm who first and then what and right. humble leaders and the hedgehog principle, you know, all those things that Collins talks about, we find ourselves repeating that stuff over and over yeah. in our company. Yeah. Um, so those would be three, you know, that really stand yeah. out to me that I find myself going back to over and over and over in terms of employees and, and hiring, you know, we've discussed a little bit about bosses and, mm-hmm. and getting people on your team. Yeah. There's a book called who the a method of hiring that's mm-hmm. by Jeff smart and Randy street. Hmm. And Jeff Smart is actually the son of Brad Smart that wrote the top grading book, which was kind of a popular book at one time. Yes, yeah. But this book I've read twice, and it's actually what I'm giving a webinar on today. Okay. And it is a fantastic book in terms of getting people on mm-hmm. your team and also yeah. helping me see how to be a boss and, uh, and an employer. So those would be the ones that I would, uh, you know, that off the cuff yeah. uh, resonate to me. That's good. Those are all, yeah, those are some great resources, some great books. and. Um, and I agree, they're sort of staples that especially for um, any young entrepreneur or young just kind of driven person in business, uh, get those sooner rather than later. Uh, some of those I waited until later before I finally decided to check them out and wish that there were the, several of those things I thought, you know, the E-Myth is one. Um, I thought, how wish I would have you know, gotten this eight years ago. Yeah, so, you know, right. just... Uh, don't don't wait. Those are such, such great resources in there. You know, before we close out, Jordan, what kind of advice might you have for others just that are striving for success, maybe some keys to success or some metrics that, that you've learned uh, to, to focus on along the way? What, what advice could you give to others? Yeah, that's a great question. So a couple things. 
and these are not in any particular order of mm-hmm. importance, but so I would say reading is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dave Ramsey was the first person. I used to hate reading in school. Yeah, I hated it when someone made me read and this and that. And but Dave Ramsey talked about successful people, people that have done a lot in life. They read. Yeah, <laughs> and they yeah. read a lot. And there's a sense in where knowledge is power. And so I thoroughly and wholeheartedly endorse that. Like you should be an avid and voracious reader and yeah. should be broader than just business books. I mean, you should be well-rounded. You know, you should read fiction. You should read history. You should yeah. read, you know, these things help you. And really more than anything else, they help prepare your mind to think about life. Yeah. And so when we have these discussions about what success is and, you know, retirement and developing people and, you know, uh, that's just a whole broad range of things, and you need the intellectual skill set to be mm-hmm. able to deal with those discussions. Yeah. And if you want to be a great leader and lead a lot of people, you need to have the intellectual resources to be able to do it. Sure. And there's just we are a people that <laughs> we learn and and we we get information through books yeah. and other people. So, yeah. but you just can't avoid not reading. And so mm-hmm. I just I can't recommend that enough. You know. I start reading more and more as I, the older I get. You know, now I, I try to read, you know, 30 or 40 books a year or something like that. Yeah. You know, just maybe one book a week or one every two weeks. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can set a goal early on to read one book a month. I mean, sure. it's like 10 it's pages a day. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, it's like 15 minutes a day. Like, yeah. anyone can do that. Like, yeah. I don't, there's no excuse for not doing that. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go to business school or get your MBA. Like, you go pick up, you know, Jim Collins and Michael Gerber and Dave Ramsey and, yeah. and you start doing that stuff, man. The MBA degree is, you know, sorry for all those that have MBAs, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, there's a you lot could be of light years ahead of, there. of yeah. the the MBA the guy. Practical side of business. So that would be one thing. The other thing, and this again, I know this is hard, especially if you're younger, is to not put money first. Like, mm-hmm. be driven, but be driven more towards doing something that you love and are passionate about, and serving other people well, and know that success will come on the heels of that. Yeah. If you achieve money for money's sake, mm-hmm. I think you'll always find yourself wanting. Yeah. Um, but if you if you go after serving other people and serving a cause or a mission really well, and you find ways to do that really well, the money and the success will come. Yeah. And I think you'll find that you'll be more satisfied as an individual. Yeah. And don't sacrifice your family on the altar of success either. Yeah. I mean, I, that's great. It's yeah. Easy to great do. Advice. It's easy to, and there's a lot of wives and husbands too. If the wife is the one who's more yeah. business driven, that um, they suffer the consequences of that focus of their spouse, yeah. and, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that at times. Yeah, well, that's great advice. There's some great information there, uh, Jordan. I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you sharing your story and, and sharing some keys to success. I think a lot of people can. Uh, relate to where you've been and where you are and um, best of luck in where you're going. Hey, thanks, Kyle. Thanks it's good. Lot. Good talking with you. Thank you for checking out today's Business Playmaker. Links to the resources discussed in today's episode are available in the show notes. For more information and resources from your host, you can visit him at www.kylegorman.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast for the latest episodes. And until next time, make it a great day.